Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Listen at this true story that I read from the San Francisco Chronicle. Listen at this. A man who wanted to rob a downtown Bank of America walked into the branch and he wrote, this is a stick up. And he spelled is I-Z and stick up, S-T-I-K-K, up. He wrote, this is a stick up, put all your money. He spelled money, M-U-N-Y in the bag. Well, while standing in line waiting to give his note to the teller, he began to worry if someone had seen him write the note and might have called the police before he reached the teller window. And so he left the Bank of America. He went across the street over to the Wells Fargo Bank. A few minutes in line, he handed his note to the Wells Fargo Bank teller. She read it and surmised from his spelling errors that he was not the brightest light in the harbor. And so she told him she could not accept his stick-up note because it was written on a Bank of America deposit slip. (laughs) And she continued to inform him that he would have to fill out a Wells Fargo deposit ticket (laughs) or go back to the Bank of America. Well, looking somewhat defeated, the man said, okay, and he left the Wells Fargo and he went, he went, left the Bank of America, went over to the Wells Fargo teller, and he got back in line. And a few minutes later at the Wells Fargo Bank, while waiting in line, the police came and arrested him. Now, I think it was a few minutes later while waiting at the Bank of America in line, right? The police arrested him, right? Ha, 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 funny, huh? I totally messed up my joke. (laughs) I can't believe this is the funniest joke I've ever had. The point is, we'll read it again. (laughs) You know, a man wanted to rob a downtown bank of America, and he walked into the branch, and and I thought to myself after I read this, I thought, then that was really, really dumb. I mean, just a dumb thing to do. We're doing a study on the gifts of the Spirit, and I thought, again, what a dumb thing it is for Christians to live a life as a Christian and not take advantage of the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to his people, to the church. Amen? That's a dumb thing to do. I mean, it's a dumb thing to do when God has given the gifts to the church 
He's given many gifts to the church, and yet we as Christians fail to utilize those gifts that God has given us. As a matter of fact, I'd go on to say not only is it a dumb thing to do, it's a hard thing, difficult, and yet, might I add, an impossible thing to do to live your life as a Christian and not take advantage of the gifts that God has given us. You know, it's that verse that we all know so well. It's not by might nor by, say it with me as a matter of fact, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, this life that we live as a Christian, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit. Now, as you look at the book of Acts, you can see the Acts church was a powerful, powerful church. I mean, it really was a powerful church. And one of the things that stick out in the book of Acts, to me, that you can't miss, is those guys, those disciples, those women were ordinary common people. I think we think of the apostles and disciples and we think that they were really, you know, holy and anointed people who, you know, had halos around on their heads and they glowed all the time and there was always this background music whenever they were there. Here comes Peter. No, Peter would have been like, boom, 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 boom. But we think that somehow the disciples were more holy than we were or than we are. When in fact, they were ordinary blue-collar workers. And yet the Bible teaches that those ordinary blue-collar workers, get this, they affected the whole world. They took the gospel to the whole world. They were powerful. They were powerful without an accountability group. They were powerful without experiencing the latest program that's going through the church. These guys were powerful without buildings or buses or budgets. They turned the world upside down. How? Because they loved Jesus. They turned the world upside down because they loved Jesus. And they invited the power and the work of the Holy Spirit into their lives. And they knew that without this work of the Holy Spirit, without the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they knew that there was no possible way for them to do something in the spirit for them to do it in the flesh. They knew that. We don't know that. And so we seek to do it on our own. Now, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit over the last several weeks, dealing with the gifts of the Spirit. We've dealt with all of them except for two. This morning, we're going to deal with two gifts of the Holy Spirit that I've got to say by far are the most controversial gifts that are spoken of in the church and always has been. The gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Now, I know every week I say this. I say, this week we're going to deal with the most controversial gifts. They're going to be the, this is, these are the most controversial gifts ever. But I'm telling you, this week, bar none, seriously. These are the two most controversial gifts in the Bible. And so we're going to deal with them. Let me just tell you right up front, we're going to approach some very thorny territory this morning. So, and I'm hoping to, this morning, untangle, if you will, no pun intended, this whole thing about tongues and the interpretation of tongues. I want to do that by asking three questions if you're taking notes. What is it, number one? What is it for, number two? And who is it for? Three questions we want to answer this morning. What is it? What is it for? And 
Who is it for? Turn in your Bibles. I know you have them with you. The first Corinthians chapter 12. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll run one to you. First Corinthians chapter 12. And you also might want to put your finger in first Corinthians chapter 14 because we have a lot of references there. Now, let's uh, let's get this in context here. First Corinthians 12, beginning in. Verse four. First Corinthians 12, four. If you're there, say a hearty amen. Look at verse four. There are diversities of gifts. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit in verse seven is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one in verse 8 is given the word of wisdom. And we've dealt with these over the last several weeks. You can pick up the CD if you miss those studies. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, by, to another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. But notice in verse 11, saints, would you read it with me? But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. I understand, as I said, very controversial gifts. I understand there are many people, many great Bible teachers, many incredible Christians who do not believe in the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues or believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And they say that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, they say. some teach, And some of these guys, might I add, are great, great, great Bible teachers. I just believe that they are off in this area. And when we get to heaven, God will show them that I am right. (laughs) But these are awesome guys. I mean, if I named them, you'd go, they're awesome teachers. But they believe the gifts have ceased. Why do they believe that? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when knowledge, I'm sorry, but when that which is perfect has come, notice that, when that which is perfect has come, they say, or the word says, then that which is in part will be done away. Did you notice that? When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So Paul says, when that which is perfect has come, then prophecy, tongues, spiritual gifts will be done away with. So, We need to identify what is that which is perfect. If, in fact, when that which is perfect has come, then the gifts will cease. Then the hinge here is what is, who is that which is perfect. And so many who do not believe in the gifts of the Spirit and say that they have ceased, they believe that which is perfect is a reference to the canonization of Scripture. What does that mean? That's just a lofty way of saying when the Bible is complete. 
or the complete revelation of Scripture. They say when the Bible is completed, it will be perfect and therefore tongues have ceased. Because as you read the entire Bible, you will see that the perfecting or the coming marks or knowledge of that which is perfect actually has nothing to do with the perfecting of Scripture, but has everything to do with when knowledge ceases is when Jesus Christ comes. And so some say that the perfecting of, uh, of that which is perfect when it comes will be with the perfecting of Scripture or when the Bible is complete. And then there are some others who I agree with who say the perfecting when that which is perfect has come is when Jesus Christ comes in his second coming. When Jesus Christ comes in his second coming, guess what? We won't need tongues. We won't need the interpretation of tongues. We won't need prophecy. We won't need any of the gifts because we will see him. The Bible says right now we see through a glass darkly. Later on in this same chapter 13, we see through a glass darkly right now, but then face to face. When? When Jesus comes, we will know him, get this, even as we are known. Our best and highest knowledge right now of God is still limited compared to what we will know when he comes in the second coming. And when we're in heaven, we won't need the gift of healing because the Bible says that there's no sickness or sorrow. There's no pain or suffering in heaven. So when we're in heaven, we will be perfected. We will be like him and we'll see him as he is. So that which is perfect refers to, I believe, when Jesus comes in his second coming, not the completion or the the, the full revelation of the scriptures. When the Lord comes back, we're going to see him face to face and we'll know him completely. Right now we see dimly, but then face to face. Now, what is the gift of tongues? Well, here's a simple definition for you. Simple definition. The gift of tongues or speaking in tongues is the ability to speak to God in a language the speaker has not learned, nor does he understand. The gift of tongues or speaking in tongues is the ability to speak to God in a language that the speaker has not learned, nor does he understand. Now, you might remember Acts chapter 2. Here's the first mention of the gift of tongues being given to the church. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, the sound, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. That's glossalia, the Greek word, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own dialecto or language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And then in verse five of, uh, verse 11 of chapter 2, we hear them speaking in our own tongues. Note this, saints, the wonderful works of God. And so men had come from around the known world, and they were amazed. It was the Feast of Pentecost. And men came from all over the world to come into Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. 
And so as they were all gathered together, the disciples had been gathered in prayer in Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit came and descended upon them, and they began to speak with tongues. Well, it was all these men who were gathered together as they were listening. They said, we're perplexed. These guys are Galileans. How is it that we hear them speaking in our own tongue? And what are they speaking? The wonderful works of God. They're praising God. They're praising the Lord. You see, tongues were directed to God in the form of praise and worship and adoration. Speaking the wonderful works of God. Now we have another example of the gift of tongues found in Acts chapter 10. My main man, Peter, I love Peter. He went to the house of Cornelius. And he was sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. And then in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. And as many as came with Peter, because, notice, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues. And what were they doing? Magnifying God. You see, the gift of tongues is a gift given to the church to praise, to magnify, to uplift the name of the Lord. Now, nowhere in the Bible, listen, listen closely. Nowhere in the Bible do we have any example at all ever of the gift of tongues being used to give a message to men. Nowhere in the Bible. Now, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue, note this, does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. Now, I point that out because early on in my Christianity, when I became a Christian, I was attending for the first five years of my Christianity, I went to Friendly Church of God in Christ. That was a black Pentecostal holiness church, y'all. And we had fun. Y'all know what I'm saying. We had a great time. And every service, I'll never forget, I remember every service when the pastor was speaking, someone in the audience, usually it was the same sister, Sister Patterson. She's in California, so she probably won't hear this tape, so. But She'd stand up, and, or, or some person, just whoever felt led, they would stand up while the pastor is speaking now. Don't try this at home. Okay, we'll get the ushers to get you out. But while the pastor is speaking, now, now the pastor is supposed to be using the gift of teaching, the gift of prophecy, remember, forth telling the word. But now here comes the gift of tongues. And she would stand up and they would, she, you know, or whoever it might be would start to speak in tongues and they'd just going on and on. And, you know, I said, oh, are they, is she saying he's coming in on a Honda? <laughs> going out on a Kawasaki? It's like, what's up with that? But she's speaking in tongues and it going on and on and on. And then the pastor, he, he, would, he would go, shh, everyone. And everybody would bow their heads in reverence, waiting for the interpretation to come forth. And then when the interpretation came forth, it would sound something like this. Thus saith the Lord, my children, as if God spoke in the King James. 
Thus saith the Lord, my little children, thou art low life. Thou shouldest thou repent. My judgment is nearer than you think. You know, it's like the bumper sticker that said, you know, Jesus is coming back and boy, is he mad. You know, that kind of thing. And it would always come back, this interpretation of tongues would always come back to the people in the form of a message to the people, in King James, of course, to the people. The Bible says clearly that the gift of tongues should always, you should always hear, when you hear an utterance go forward, you should always hear an interpretation of that utterance, something like this. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we praise you. God, we exalt you. We honor you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. God, we love you. We just worship you. Praise should be ascending to God Using this gift of tongues, the interpretation should follow. Thus, the litmus test of how are we to know if a tongue that goes forward is truly a tongue from the Holy Spirit and a gift from the Holy Spirit. How are we to know is that truly from God? Simple as this. It's not that difficult. What are they saying? What's the interpretation? Well, the interpretation should be Praise and honor and glory to God. And let me just say boldly, if you hear anything other than that, then you are free to disregard it. It's not of the Lord. It's of the flesh. The Bible's very clear about that. So what is tongues? Tongues is a language that is used to praise God. What is its purpose? Second point. Or what is its value? Here's several points I want to give you. If you're taking notes, write these down. What's the purpose? What's the value? What value does that gift have for us? Well, number one, the gift of tongues can assist the believer in their prayer. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our infirmities or in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself, I love this verse, intercedes for us saints with groanings that cannot be expressed. How many times have you found yourself in prayer praying for someone and not really know what to pray? Well, the Bible says that, that the Spirit intercedes for us. So if we were to be praying, we don't know what to pray, which happens to me often. I don't know what to pray or how to pray or, God, what do you want me to say? How can I pray, Lord, that you might hear me? And I'm at a loss for words. The Bible says that I can simply, as I'm praying, I can just groan. Isn't that cool? You can just go, mm. Lord, mm. Oh, God, my kids. Mm. I don't know if they're going to make it. Mm. And God takes the mm, and he interprets it by his spirit. He knows what you're trying to say. Just Wednesday night, I was praying for a brother. We were up here on our knees before God, and I didn't really know how to pray and what to pray. And from time to time, I'd find myself in the spirit just kind of groaning. And I trust that God can take the, mmm, and God understands it. Isn't that freeing? We don't have to have all the right words because we don't always have the right words. 
We don't always have the right thing to say, but God knows by his spirit. So the gift of tongues can assist the believer, Romans 8, 26, in their prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul says it like this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. Paul's talking about praying with the spirit or praying in tongues. And he says, I'll pray in the spirit and I'll sing in tongues and I'll sing in the spirit and I'll pray in the spirit and then I'll pray with understanding. That means my own language, the language that I know. Secondly, what's his value? The gift of tongues also assists the believer in worship. We just talked about that. The people heard the disciples praising God in their own language. In the house of Cornelius, we talked about when the spirit of God comes upon him and his family, they were heard speaking in tongues and praising God. You know, sometime when you're praying and you're worshiping God and you're singing out to God, you you run out of words. And so the spirit of God assists us in our worship. Thirdly, the, the gift of tongues is to edify and to encourage the believer. That will be you. First Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies, remember, forth tells the word of God, edifies the church. Paul says speaking in tongues is like spiritual exercise program, a workout. You're strengthening yourself. You're building yourself up. You're edifying yourself when you use this gift. Fourthly, tongues are a powerful weapon in spiritual warfare. Paul's talking about two primary offensive weapons in spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6. And he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Notice the weapons are the word of God and praying in the spirit. Two primary weapons, God's word and praying in the spirit. Now, praying in the spirit can mean praying according to to the spirit but it can also be a reference to speaking in tongues you have been listening to salt and light a radio outreach ministry of pastor rodney finch in calvary chapel Cary, located in apex north carolina join pastor rodney monday through friday at this same time For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.